people deserve to have an understanding of what their performance looks like, what their expectations are. And to me, it's to have lots of fun with this and break things often so that you can learn from that and continue to, you know, to try to make a good, a good program for our employees. Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience, 20 minutes that simplifies the complex job of managing and leading people and inspires you to take action on what you probably already know, to build and sustain a smart and healthy business. Here's your host, Ed Epley, to introduce this week's guest and business leader. Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience, your opportunity to learn from others who have created high-performing, sustainable, profitable businesses. And we have a special podcast for you today. This is the first in our new series of podcasts about organizational performance. And this is about the worst of all professional management disciplines. This is the discipline that the vast majority of organizations and the individuals execute at the worst level. And it's, it's horrible how individuals have to go through life at so many companies not really knowing what's expected of them. So today we're going to talk about that with two of my favorite people. We have today Bo Neko, the CEO of Neko Foster Care and Behavioral Health and Independent Living in Cincinnati, Ohio. And then we have next to him, skinny Rob Goodwin, who is the people officer. I can't believe how much weight he's lost since the last time I saw him. So welcome to the Ed Epley experience once again, Bo, and for the first time, Rob. Yeah, thank you, Ed. Thank you for having us. And not only is he skinnier, he gets better looking every day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. oh my gosh, he's he's a handsome devil as always. Okay, guys, we are here to talk about performance management and specifically setting and then managing people's ability to produce the results that are expected of them at, at an individual level. In my book, Let's Be Clear, in the organizational performance section, I, I talk about that you'll know that you're doing this well when you have crystal clear clarity, I should say, about the key indicators about how well the organization overall is performing. You're communicating those expectations about those performance indicators clearly and often Every person you manage knows what conditions will exist when they are doing their job successfully. When you address failure to meet those expectations in a timely, and and that's a dangerous term, but in a, a relatively quick fashion, and every person that you manage understands how their performance impacts the business overall. So those are things that I feel like you guys do about as well as any of the clients that I have. And that's why I wanted you to be able to share some of the journey you've been on and doing that with your organization. So guys, I've, I've talked a lot before I even ask you a question, but I'd like to know, when did you start to even think about managing people's performance? You're 20 years old, give or take as a company. Was that something you thought about day one, Bo, or was that something you just came to the realization you needed to do? No, I think it started before we even started the company because we were in the uh, business of working with kids that are really been dealt a bad hand in life. And uh, our belief is that uh, those are bad habits and bad habits lead to bad outcomes and good habits lead to good outcomes. So what we've done for years is we were always measuring the behavior of children. So we would uh, pick some behaviors, some bad habits that kids needed to focus on. And then we would um, pay attention to those. And when we took those bad habits and 
re-educated them with some good habits, we'd pick we'd pick a few more. So I think we started from the beginning realizing that we needed to have a very clear relationship with cause and effect and staff. So if I had been working for you 20 years ago, was did I have a job description? Did I have a clear, you know, three to five set of performance metrics that you were going to manage me against? You had a paragraph. I don't like highly specific job descriptions. Uh, I think it gives you an excuse not to do a lot of things. So I've always been a fan of having a paragraph of uh, a description of this is what your job consists of. And then after that, yes, uh, the children had uh, three things. We always had three goals for them. And it was done on a simple uh, Microsoft Access database. And uh, staff had, I don't know, three to five things. I don't think we were that good at it with staff. We were much better at it with children. And uh, we've learned through the years. But sure, we had uh, we had three to five things people were to focus on. Well, was that identified by you or was that driven by the state governments that you serve? Um, interestingly enough, a combination of both because we are highly regulated. But some of those regulations I don't think are necessarily in the best interest of children, not necessarily what we were interested in. So, uh Sure, there's things that are check-the-box items, like a child needs a dental visit or a vision check within a certain number of days, and uh, you could measure that. But far more important to a child would be, for example, if a child's placed in foster care, how many times does that child move before they're adopted and before they find their adoptive home? The national average was 4.38 moves before you find your forever family. Well, uh, that's not in regulation, but we zeroed in on that and said, we're going to measure that. We measured it relentlessly for years, which is how many times, how many families does a child need to go through? That's traumatic and expensive, not good for the taxpayer or the child. And uh, after many, many years, we've reduced that to uh, one placement, meaning the initial placement, 90% of the kids we place, that the adoptive home is the first home they, that they placed in. That's pretty cool. Actually, I, I think it's quite remarkable. That's, that could be a, a separate podcast in and of itself. Rob, w- when did you start having responsibility for chief people officer? When did you start having involvement in this process? Well, involvement in the process actually happened prior to being the chief people officer. You know, I started paying attention basically to performance reviews probably around 2014. Okay. So I really became involved in it, you know, again, when I became the chief people officer, which I believe was in 2016. So in in that journey... Where do you think you are today versus where you were back in 2015-16? Are you, are you radically different or are you just a slight variation of what you were before? Well, I think we're, we're quite a bit different. And again, when we went down this journey, uh, really trying to pay attention to what our performance reviews look like, one of the things that we talked about is you know where we have been as a company. And the fact of the matter is where we were at that time is that we were doing annual reviews Okay. And the process was totally driven by HR. The goals were extremely subjective. And it was not really being used as a true development tool or an accountability tool. And the, the goals and, and the scorecards did not cascade somewhere. So that's yeah. where we were. And then we decided that we need to change that. And we need to be more specific about how we're measuring people and developing that true development tool and accountability tool. Do you feel like at at that point, uh, five, six years ago, that what you were doing in these performance management of individuals was more compliance-based rather than development-based? 
uh, prior to our, our yeah. journey. Yeah. It was kind of like a check the box, to be honest. Like it was really just, you know, at times people going through the motions and, and not to mention that it was all done manually. It was all done paper and handwriting. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we thought that that was unnecessary and we wanted to create a, a way that was more effective and more efficient. So tell the audience about then the journey you guys have been on the last four or five years to to move away from compliance based, annual based, check the box kind of orientation to now being more, uh, I definitely I would call it robust. It sounds like in the past it was more doing it for the company's benefit. And now you're trying to make it more beneficial to all parties. Yeah, I think it, I think the difference is it's very customer facing now. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the history of child welfare is one of reactions something bad happens to a child that usually followed by a lawsuit, which is followed by changes in the law. So it, uh, if you look back in the last hundred years of child welfare, it's a very reactionary system. So we've had the, just really the luxury of being able to go from being reactionary to being proactive. So okay. that's just been uh, fantastic to be able to take a look at doing things like creating career paths for people, as opposed to just making sure that you meet the, regulatory requirements of the um, of the payer source, which is usually a state, local, or government entity. And we've used a number of tools to do that. Rob can speak to that better than myself. Rob, DT, Jeff. Yeah. So again, you know, prior to our journey of really improving our performance evals, as I've already mentioned, that it was all done manually. Again, the, the, the questions were very canned and subjective. And um, it really, in my opinion, there was not much really happening with those. So now, you know, where we are, you know, say from 2016 until where we are today is we've improved that process. Instead of being annually, it's now done quarterly. So we now do quarterly reviews uh, that equate into an annual scorecard. And as I mentioned earlier, Ed, you know, prior to us paying attention to this, the process was totally driven by HR. And now with the process that we have in place, um, the, the process is actually driven by the employee and the manager. And HR really just on the back end checks to make sure that it's happening. But the process itself is manager and employee driven. An example of that would be when Bo does my scorecard, Ed, right, Bo right. me and say, hey, Rob, it's time to do your, your annual scorecard. I'm, I'm, I'm going to Bo. And I'm saying, hey, let's talk about my performance. And it's quarterly. And so it's quarterly, that, yes. Lesson learned is this, uh, it's just like the children, the cause and effect have to be closely related in time or they're not of much value. So we learned that <laughs> what we were getting was uh, in the early days, you know, we tried things like 360 evaluation yes. and feedback. And we got what we ended up referring to as the one big happy family approach, which is everybody on a five-point scale got a 4.3, which was a B plus, And everybody right. – same bonus, and some people worked harder than others. So uh, <laughs> that's uh, we've come a long way from the one big happy family approach. So if if I was in a quarterly review with one of you as my boss, would it look a lot different than what's done in the annual review? No, because there's not an annual review. There's only quarterly reviews. So everybody has a scorecard, and everybody visits those uh, their scorecard every ninety days with their supervisor. So, and do you talk with me about development in every one of those meetings? Yes, yes. And we end with 
what can I do uh, to help you with your job? That was another evolutionary step along the way. It's not just uh, a one-way street in terms of, okay, let's take a look at your job performance. I'm the supervisor. You're the employee. Uh, the last question, um, in, in many ways, sometimes the most important question is, I think the, the role of a leader or a manager is to create the conditions in which someone's most likely to win. Okay, what am I doing that is helping you create those conditions or inhibiting you? How can I help you win? Yeah, and I think, Ed, if I maybe just jump in there for a second, because, again, I alluded to an annual. So what I said earlier was that we do a quarterly scorecard that equates to an annual score. But they are done uh, quarterly. And I it, get it. it. It might be helpful, I mean, if, it, if, if you wouldn't mind, because – you know, our scorecard is actually uh, broke down into three different sections. So it might be worthy of talking about some of that at some point. Am I looking at social impact, successful outcomes and risk? No, actually, in the scorecard itself, the, the three categories for every single employee in our company, including myself and Bo, it, it's, it's my performance, which is very uh, quantifiable and pertains specifically to an employee's job. It goes back to that position's results description. It is yep. those bullet points that we know that we need to, to measure to determine how somebody's performing. And, and those would be directly related to the results required from that particular kind of work, whatever that is, a caseworker versus a behavioral sure. health individual would have different things that would be measured. Absolutely. Okay, what's the second or third one? And the, the second one I'm really excited about um, is living the principles because it's actually a, a, a point of the conversation where we can actually talk about an employee living the principles, not just knowing them, knowing a definition, but what are some behaviors that, you know, are a part of that principle that needs to be lived. So it's really exciting to hear somebody come back at the end of the quarter and talk about how they lived our corporate culture principles. For the benefit of the audience, one of the things I'd like to offer up is that I, I, I've somewhat brainwashed these guys. So full disclosure, I've, <laughs> I've spent a lot of time with Rob and to a lesser extent, Bo, but I've, I've, I've gone head to head with these guys in a number of instances. But one of the things I believe is why you want to have behaviors that you have identified that are crucial for an individual is because we can observe behaviors. I can't see whether or not what's in your head, attitude-wise or value-based-wise, but I can see behaviors that reflect your attitude or your values that, that you're using to do your job. And so you're actually tracking those. You're, 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 you're validating that either these behaviors are present or not, if, if I understand it correctly, Rob. That is correct. Okay. And then the third area? The uh, third area is, uh, is called building the bench. And it's all about how we grow our people. It's about different learning opportunities that maybe an employee needs. It's about mentoring. Through that uh, part of the scorecard, somebody can be assigned a mentor or a coach, or maybe somebody is assigned to be a mentor or a coach. So it's all about growth and development of our people. Uh, so do you actually, have you gotten so far in this last area that you are measuring to what extent that they're performing their job at a higher level? that they're more productive in some way, that they're more valuable in some way? Or is it more about, is this one of those areas when we talk about development so often it's, I'm going to put these situations down and we're going to, and I, I hate to say check the box, but we're going to, we're going to confirm that you did this mentoring or was received this mentoring or that you attended this program, that kind of stuff. 
Well, I will tell you this, that, you know, again, a part of this process, we looked about where we were, where we are right now, which is what we're talking about. But another part of that conversation is where we're going. And we certainly recognize and understand that we have to do a better job in capturing what's happening in sections three. And that's actually a part of our, uh, our, our progression right now with our scorecard is that we need to get better data on how that's actually really working. And that's one of our initiatives actually for 2022. I literally had a conversation yesterday morning, guys, with a prospective client. And well, part of the conversation was the difference between education and training. And I, I know, Rob, you and I've had that conversation. I don't know if, Bo, you and I have, but the the just to summarize that, that in most cases, when you want me to perform a job more skillfully, I need training more than I do education. I need something that will cause my behavior to be different when I do whatever I do as my job. And most programs that are called training are really not training because they don't give me an opportunity to practice a different behavior. Essentially, they're verbally reading the book. And, and most of us don't do much different just because we read a book. So, so I'm, this is an area where I'm, I'm really striving to find organizations that are actually uh, in the development of people tracking to what extent does somebody do their job at a higher level, that they're actually more productive than they were the year before. So as you make progress in this, I know the audience would love to hear what you're doing there. Anything else you want to just close the loop on anything that we've just been talking about before I ask the next question? Anything you that is on either of your minds? I would just say that the Rob tells people all the time. It's I don't I don't know how long I've been saying this. I don't know how long, but uh, just quoting Aristotle, that you are what you constantly do. So one of the reasons, uh, one of the things that's captured in these scorecards is that um, it is hard to measure uh, progress, but it isn't as difficult to determine whether or not you have alignment. I just like to add that the what we've been saying around here for many many years. Uh, and I'm not sure how it got started, is that uh, we are what we constantly do. And um, I think that as difficult as it is to measure progress, something that's easier but equally important is to measure alignment. And so we take a look at what we've agreed are the most important things in our organization at the C-suite, and we look at those you know, we look at an individual performance scorecard and start with mine uh, and then work our way through the organization and make sure that there is cohesion and alignment and make sure that it waterfalls, make sure that it um, not just waterfalls, but that it goes both ways. So I think that is a, a step in the right direction in terms of helping out with measuring is to make sure you're aligned. Otherwise, even if you are getting your measurement right, you're measuring the wrong thing. So, so how do you measure alignment? That's I, I I think that's fascinating that you're you're doing that. What's the what are the indicators that tell you that I'm aligned with the organization? Well, I, I think that um, it, well, you first of all you answer the question. You know, what's what's really the most important? Uh, what's your north star in your organization? Yeah. For us, yeah. that is our north star is uh, to take the kids that uh, other people won't. We want to take. Um, kids that would otherwise uh, end up in um, you know institutional settings are really difficult to place children well it's it, it's what you can look at in terms of alignment is we have four verticals we have a uh, we can take a look at our four verticals say um, let's take behavioral health for example if you have a kid in foster care and you're going to take more difficult children that have more complex behavioral health needs are we 
providing those services or not, and um, are they successful? Uh, you can just uh, you can literally look at what's available where. You can take a look at. Um, it actually goes for all our services. Right now, there's such a tremendous demand for behavioral health services. It's definitely a significant challenge. But if you're going to take children with really complex mental health needs, then you better be able to deliver. And it's not it's not hard to measure. But that is so, a, that. You know, so the, that vertical and the individuals within that vertical uh, are being measured on whether or not they're providing highly specific therapies for kids with complex needs. So if I if I ask you, and you know this is not a, a, this is not science at this point, but if I ask you to rate on a you know red green yellow scale where you are in performance management of individuals at Netco, what what color would you give yourselves for this? I would say yellow arrow pointing up. I'm a fan of the arrows. Um, yeah. Like uh, so the trajectory is going upward. It is. I think what's happening in, in the world of uh, behavioral, you know, in, in the world of child welfare, behavioral health, is a lot of tried and true business principles that were have been absent from this industry are now being used. You have technologies like uh, you know, CRM that uh, historically were not just haven't been used. So uh, we are fortunate enough that other industries have used them before us. And when we apply them to social problems. What say you, Rob? Actually, I would actually say uh, yellow trending up as well. We have this conversation quite often, but, you know, we also have to understand is, uh, you know, we're a, a group of people that's rarely satisfied either. We always know that we can do better. So I, I really firmly believe that we will never arrive because the industry's always changing. and therefore we've always got to be on our game and be agile and adaptable to change. In thinking about where you've come from, how, you know, have, have you, are you twice as good as you used to be? I'm trying to get a, a gauge of the progress you feel you've made in this area of the business. It's, it's hard because you want to compare yourself to other industries. This industry is so far behind. It's so um, uh, absent of accountability and measurement that you know, compared to our peers, uh, it would be a much higher rating as compared to other industries that are more sophisticated. So we, I think you're giving other industries a lot more credit than they deserve. <laughs> you said that. <laughs> I don't think you're that that different than the average organization out there, guys. Well, we keep I hiring mean, people from other industries. So. Right, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, it's, it's just they're we're, we're all we're doing is applying tried and true business principles right. to uh, the social service sector. So I don't know. Uh, I feel good about where we're going, right. but you know, we're chasing in, uh, we're chasing perfection. We're never going to get there, right? So, so how much input do you think people should have in what's in this document? Uh, let me flip that question and be a politician for a second uh, and answer the question I wish you would ask as opposed to the one you asked. So you can give me a hard time for it later. Um, uh, a lesson we learned uh, together is that you need to explain to people when, when it comes to input from staff, before you even get started, explain the why behind the what. So uh, I just think it's really important that people understand why you're doing what you're doing. Otherwise, uh, it's hard to get buy-in. Maybe you think it's Big Brother. Maybe they don't like it. But there, there was a moment, <laughs> and we'll never forget it. We were doing a training, and um, we were talking about growing. And a, and a, a really competent long-term staff said, "I, I came here because I didn't. I work for the uh, government. It was huge. I wanted to work for a small company. I don't want to grow." 
and that she didn't understand why growth was important. So and for I, our audience, for our audience's benefit, all three of us were in the room at the same time at this first. That's <laughs> right. But there are jaws on the floor because yeah. we made a mistake, you know, which so I would start with that. I mean, that I think that's crucial. If you're going to get buy in, you know, why are we doing this? And it's a mistake that you see all the time. And now we're very aware of. So I think I think that is very important in terms of the um where to start is why are we doing this? And uh, if you were counseling another organization, I'd like both of you to answer this. In fact, I'm going to make Rob answer first. If you were if you were uh, coaching another organization on doing this, how would they know if this process or the things they were doing were were moving in the right direction? What would be the indicators, Rob, that would tell another organization as they tried to do a better job at setting expectations for an individual? and having the right conversations on whatever time period, that, that there was value being created for the individual as well as the organization. What, what should they look for? Well, and again, I think a lot of that goes back to um, buy-in. And Ed, I'm, I'm not just because we're meeting today, but the fact of the matter is at 10 o'clock today, we had a meeting or an ad hoc with uh, the NECO Center about the performance reviews. And remember, we're, we're focusing right now of where we're going. So in order for us to make that work for our NECO Center, we have to have those people involved. So again, back to Bo's point of creating buy-in is getting people to the table early on and getting some energy surrounding that. Um, so so, so if, if, if I'm, if I think what I'm hearing you say is if the people who are going through this process as individual contributors feel like there's value in these conversations and what's going on in these, in this process, that would be a strong indicator to you that you're doing the right things. I think that's a start anyway. And going back okay. to the question of, you know, where we are today versus where we were, what I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that over over 90 percent of our, our folks within our company have a scorecard that's being completed quarterly. So okay. there's one way to determine that is our scorecards being completed. And I can say without a shadow of a doubt, they are because we have the data that proves that and we actually measure that. So that so that would be another way to determine whether um, it's successful or not. Bo, is, if I'm the CEO of another organization, how do I know that my performance management efforts are paying dividends? What would you What would you tell them to pay attention to? Well, I would look at their north star, uh, and I would. You mean, <laughs> you mean their purpose when you say their north star? Sure. What, what's most important to you? What business problem are you trying to solve? What social problem are you trying to solve? What problem are you trying to solve? So I would, to me, it's very simple. Are you making progress or not? Especially okay. when you're in a, a very busy, uh, uh, if you're a, a very labor intense business, then if, if it's working, then um, you'll see it. Uh, for In our case, it's a social impact. Uh, for uh, Our social impact is increasing. Maybe our, we're adopting more children. If it's some uh, another company, they're trying, whatever business problem or problem they're trying to solve, are they solving it? And are they solving it faster? Are they solving it for less money, um, uh, higher quality? Um, so you believe that you can see some correlation between investing the time and energy that you have in this approach and the fact that you're able to actually get business done faster, better than you otherwise would, Bo? Or do you, or do, you, do you have evidence that makes you confident that this has helped it? Or do you just anecdotally feel comfortable that it's it's doing that job? No, we measure it. And it's 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 difficult. But, you know, when it's behavioral health, it may be the number of um, 
hours that that, that a given uh, therapist uh, with a given specialization okay. works with a child. But uh, when it comes to, say, foster care, for example, there's too much waiting in foster care. Some of that has to do with uh, excessive uh, government regulation. Some of it has to do with just a uh, you know, uh, systems and processes that need to be improved on our side of the fence. So if we can adopt a child faster, that's less traumatic for the child and less cost for the taxpayer. That's a win-win and that's measurable. And, and just as you indicated earlier, going from four plus moves for a child down to basically one move, that clearly is a indication that you're moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Okay. We're running against a, a time crunch, so I don't want to go too much further here, but a, a couple of questions. Number one, looking back at the journey you've been on, what would you do different, if anything? Ooh, um, that one's easy. I think the hardest part is that is is driving, it's over communicating and driving that clarity through the organization over and over and over. It's uh, something that I think that um, I, I get criticized. There's nothing like hearing uh, your girlfriend tell you, you know, you've told me that four times. I'm like, I know that's the job of a CEO. You got to repeat yourself all the time. So um, I think people fail to get stuff out of the C-suite or maybe they fail to get it from the field to the C-suite. So I think the over communicating is not as much fun. And, um, you know, you can use technology to make that easier and more efficient. But at the end of the day, you got to repeat yourself a lot and um, you have to keep adjusting your swing. So every time you adjust your swing, you got to start repeating yourself all over again. So I think that's where people probably drop the ball. It's like blocking and tackling. How many times has the coach told you, we got to get back to fundamentals? Well, fundamentals is you got to drive clarity through the organization. And, you know, sometimes that's not as much fun. So um, if I had to do it over again, I would uh, put more time, energy and emphasis on doing that and figuring out a way to make it more fun so people don't dread doing it. Rob, what anything you would do different? Well, and I agree with everything that was said, but I would also say one of the things that we're doing right now as we were evolving is really as a, as a, as a company determining what good looks like. So again, I think we have a, a decent understanding of that, but I think we still have a, a lot of work to do on that. Ned, that's some of the things that we've, we've talked with you about and, um, you know, want to continue to further, but it's, it's really determining what good looks like. And yeah. that kind of, that is a starting point. Last question for people listening. If they want to start down this journey at becoming better at this part of the professional management of, of uh, helping people understand what is expected of them and how it fits into the organization's success. Is there one piece of advice, one thing you'd say, if you don't do anything else, make sure you do this to get started, to, 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 to go down this path. What, what's your thoughts there, Rob? Go ahead. Well, I think that uh, first and foremost is uh, you got to keep it simple. I think keep it simple. Bo alluded to having fun. Listen, this is something that is absolutely needed. Our people deserve to have an understanding of what their performance looks like, what their expectations are. And to me, it's to have lots of fun with this and, and, and break things often so that you can learn from that and continue to, you know, to try to make a good, a good program for our, for our employees. Bo? <laughs> this is hard to make fun, but uh, no one does this better than Rob, which is to mine for conflict. I think that people, uh, death by, uh, or, uh, I just, I think that uh, false harmony is the death of so many organizations, meetings. It's really hard to mine for conflict. And if you're not going to mind for conflict, then don't bother wasting everybody's time having the meeting. The leader's got to be agile. The leader has to be able to change their mind 
in the face of uh, of new information, new data. So uh, we believe very strongly in our corporate culture what we call a meritocracy. And in a meritocracy, the best idea wins regardless of structural power. In order to get there, you better be comfortable mining for conflict. It's not easy to do. The more you do it, the better you'll get at it. But that requires people being vulnerable, and, and that's hard. It's a skill like anything else. And uh, I, I recommend a facilitator to start with. Um, but get good at it and keep doing it. And the more you mine for conflict, the best idea will win. And then uh, in our case, that means kids and families win. For other folks, businesses, whatever they're doing, I don't think it's unique to us. I think it's pretty universal. No question. It's Rob Goodwin that's sharing with us and Bo Necco, Chief People Officer and CEO based in Cincinnati, Ohio. If I know, Bo, I'm not going to tell them to reach out to you. If people have questions, they should reach out to Mr. Goodwin, correct? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm the only Bo Necco in the world. So you want to ask me a question, you go right ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, what, what should they do? Get with you guys via LinkedIn. What's the right way to, to reach one of you if they if they want to? Yeah, I'm fine with LinkedIn. I'm fine with an email. And at some point, I'm actually uh, great with a phone call as well. Yeah. All right. I, I'm bneco at uh, neco.org. So I'm easy yeah. to find. And Rob, what's your email? Our good one at neco.org. Beautiful. Guys, I really wish we could go longer on this. But again, thank you for one, making the effort to help people have better clarity about what their jobs are and what matters and also what is necessary for them to continue and grow and develop and become more valuable. I think you've earned the right to give advice to others. And and I know you don't necessarily think you have, but I can tell you relative to most organizations, you're so far ahead. And I really appreciate the, the work you've done in that. I want to remind our audience that we're going to do probably two more of these podcasts about organizational performance and specifically as it relates to setting expectations for individuals and what works and what does not. So I, I, I want you to know there's more to come on this because I think it's so important. People deserve to know this. And as always, I want to thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. And I want to thank again, Bo and Rob for being here today. Guys, one more time. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Ed. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. For more information on building a more sustainable, smarter, and healthier business, visit www.theepleygroup.com for resources, tips, and Ed's latest blogs. That's the Epley, E-P-P-L-E-Y group.com. Plus, take a free assessment at theepleygroup.com slash assessment to find out how you measure up as a highly skilled and accomplished manager and where to focus on improving your skills.